Welcome to Inside the Labyrinth Podcast. This is one of your co-hosts speaking, Frank. I am an active New York City police officer, and I'm part of Reps for Responders. I've had the honor and privilege to journey through the labyrinth with my other host, Jay, the real Jumpman Jay on Instagram. He's a veteran officer and also part of the SWAT team in one of the cities in New York. We would just like to thank you for journeying through the labyrinth with some of the great guests that we have had on the show so far. We will continue to make episodes with all the positive feedback that we have received. If anyone has any idea, topic, or anyone we would like to interview, please email us at repsforresponders at gmail.com. Reps for Responders is a nonprofit out of Rockland County, New York. We provide free open gym for all active, retired, and volunteer first responders, military, and veteran. Reps for Responders also has a weekly Zoom meeting, which is a support group every Sunday at 7 p.m. to let first responders and military let off steam or talk about anything that they want to talk about, positive, negative, or anything they're struggling with. Reps for Responders has five certified recovery coaches through New York State to help battle addiction and alcoholism. If anyone is struggling, please don't be afraid to reach out to Reps for Responders. You can find us on Instagram at reps underscore four underscore responders or visit our website at repsforresponders.org. Again, from myself and Jay, personally, we thank you. As a recovering alcoholic, I would like to personally thank you because you have kept me sober just for today. All in and have a great day. Episode two, Inside the Labyrinth. Thank you very much. Season two, episode one, we had Chris Bell, so check that out. Today is actually going to be, I'm very excited for today. It's uh, going to be a special day. Um, we have a lot of powerful people on this podcast, so I can't wait to start it off. Again, as always, my name is Frank. I'm a police officer in New York, and I'm going to kick it to my man, the one and only Jay. What's going on, fellas? It's the real What's up, man? Jay. Um, I'm super excited today. I was uh, I jumped on the opportunity to to, uh, to kind of create this episode uh, as soon as I found out that uh, you had a relationship with my boy, my brother, the big bro, Sin Martinez. Afro, yo, yo, Afro yo, yo, brutality yo, yo. in the building. Let's go. <laughs> so Frank, I want you to introduce your guest. Well, today, guys, we have a very I actually had the honor and privilege uh, as this guest to uh, work with me as a young lifter and over the past, uh, this past year for my first strongman show and someone I've actually looked up to back when he was in his animal days and someone um, that I'm really lucky to talk to today. So, uh, Brandon, Brandon Lilly, how you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me and thanks for, I guess, you know, really thank you for trusting me to 
kind of help you through this time is, as we talked about a little bit before, you know, it wasn't all sunshine in your world uh, whenever you reached out to me. So I get that. And that's actually, I wrestled with this for a while in regards to my own training and to my own coaching. Um, I know that I can make myself into a very strong, capable lifter. I know that I can make other men and women into strong, capable lifters. But for myself, that left a hole. That left a deficiency in my life. I wasn't able to actually become a better person, even though I was becoming a better lifter. So after my injury, um, if people don't know, I had a pretty catastrophic injury January 26th of 2014. I was ranked, um, depending on the, the, the ranking system, top five was, was for certain in any weight class that I was lifting in, uh, typically top one through three. And, you know, I was just dedicated to this becoming the best lifter that I could. And I think, you know, right now is a, a very powerful time to talk about other great champions that, that maybe are getting some, some microscopic looks at their life, like Michael Jordan right now with the, with the last dance. Yeah. He's really been scrutinized as this win-at-all-cost, tyrant of a teammate, kind of terrible person, um, but he could get it done on the court. And that excused a lot of those behaviors. It made him a model teammate for people, even though it was going to be hard and it was going to be terrible at times. Winning was the answer. Winning was the solution to that problem. So I adapted or adopted that mindset myself. I thought, you know what, if I win enough, if I win enough titles or if I become popular enough or if I gain enough recognition, then the right people will find me or the right situations will find me. And I didn't feel like it was me and anybody else doing anything. It was me versus everybody. You know, they talk about West Side versus the world as a documentary. It was me versus the world, you know, was inside the walls of West Side for a time, outside the walls of West Side for a time. So working with a guy like you, and I got to say thank you again for choosing me because your story, your journey helped me on mine. It helped me look at myself as a different kind of, man, if I can help this guy not only achieve his lifting goals, but somehow give him direction as a man and as a, as a human being and navigate some of this life. And by no means am I sitting here saying, I'm a professional. I'm an expert of, of doing all good. I just know what it's like to be at rock bottom. I know what it's like to look around and be like, where'd everybody go? I know what it's like to feel like there's no hope. And for some reason, I used to be just win oriented and now I'm process oriented. I'm enjoyment oriented. You know, I still love to compete. I still love to chase those W's. But for me, the way that I look at things now is winning is never guaranteed. If winning is guaranteed, you have an unworthy opponent. So you have to prepare for a worthy opponent. You have to prepare for a worthy life. And if you do that, if you always prepare yourself for the best that you can be and do the best that you can do, you can, you can stomach that L and you'll learn from it. You'll come back and you'll get better. But the goal is always to win. The goal is always to show up as best as you possibly can. And I think I miss the joy of winning because it was all about that. You know, I never looked at the process. I never looked at, even my wins were not enough. I was always dissecting them of like, how could I have done more? How could I have lifted more on this lift? How could I have beaten this person? I never let myself enjoy the fact that I was achieving what I set out to do. I was always in a deficit. I was always looking at what I didn't do, gotcha. even though I did the things that I set out to do. So I owe you a thanks as much as anybody else. I mean, did, did you radicalize training for me? No, but you gave me you gave me food to think about. You know, you gave me ideas to look at and like helping you help me help myself. 
and then it helped me generate the confidence to start helping other men and other women in this direction. It's it's about a total approach to life, not just the one entity of life. Yeah, that's a solid answer. I feel like uh, <laughs> now, and I feel like sin has done that for me. So I, I met sin. When did we meet sin? It was like 2000 and what? I want to say. Now, now you're going to get me lying. Let me see. Um, Maybe like definitely by by fourteen by we 14. were working out together. Yeah, by so. fourteen we were working out together. I think it was I made brutality boys in like thirteen, mm -hmm. two thousand thirteen. So seeing you in that and tag me, I think something like that. And then uh, by fourteen we were working out together. Yeah. So like I sin has kind of like played a big brother role in my life. Um, kind of helped me. Uh, just realized certain things from like a business standpoint, business aspect. And he like mentored me in a sense. So I, sure. I, I see the, the correlation between uh, Frankie and you, Brandon. Um, well, listen, I got to give props. I got to give props to Sin too. Cause you know, I can remember the days where it was, there was a lot of anger driving, driving his model, driving his mindset, you know, and now I see it's a, it's a line in the sand, but it's a line in the sand for love. You know what I mean? It's like, I want to draw this line in the sand. I'm going to be about myself. I'm going to tell you who I am. I'm going to tell you what I do. And I'm going to ask you to rise up with me. Yep. That is never in a point of hate. That is in a point of love. So I've seen men like Sin, Sin, who has, you know, started a real movement with his company. He's made significant moves. I never, ever want to sleep on the fact of recognizing other men that have impacted me. And it's like, Sin and I, I've followed him for a number of years, like I said, and I've seen his evolution. It, it doesn't have to be daily phone calls with him to get his impact. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, if he can, if he can tiptoe into this water, I'm going to tiptoe into this water. And it's not competition. It's not trying to copy. It's not trying to steal. It's actually just like, man, I want to be the echo to his voice. Yeah, I want to reiterate that somebody that's following both pages. It's like, oh, wow, there's two guys I follow doing this. Now there's three. You know what I mean? Like, it's all positive. It's all love. It's easy to hate. Hate is reactionary. Love is work, and I, that's why I, that's why I enjoy love every day. What's up, man? That was, wow, that was well. A, thank you. Powerful, powerful <laughs> answer, man. And that's, that's how like me and Frankie kind of connected. Is that you know just um, Frankie had worked with a guy that I uh, kind of grew up with, and then ended up playing football with as well. And we all are cops, and pretty much was like, hey, you got the same mission statement as my boy Jay. I think you, you guys should link up. So um, Frankie and I had conducted several podcasts before we even actually like physically met. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, we just kind of met via social media and, you know, from, from a friend of a friend. And, um, you know, we just kind of came to this conclusion here that, hey, you know, he has a mission statement. He started up a gym, you know, due to the COVID situation, we had to shut that down. And, um, you know, I still wanted to get his mission statement out. So we came up with the concept of, um, you know, the Inside the Labyrinth podcast. So, um, yeah. The reason why I brought you guys all together is because I think all of us have a common bond as far as, you know, positivity and helping our fellow human being. And I was like, this would be a great way to just segue, you know, our season two. Because I think the season uh, season one was great. I think season two is going to be 20 times better because um, now we have an established bond. And, you know, the guests are only going to get better. So, um, and I think there's more of a commonality between everybody. So, um, thank well, you guys for coming on today. I want to say thank you to you guys too, because as officers of the law, especially having a you know some racial diversity with two voices from both backgrounds, mm -hmm. you know it really it really develops an opportunity for for men, especially wearing the badge, 
to talk about situations from an inside perspective. You know, it's, yeah. I can't imagine the stress that you guys go through on your job. I can't imagine the, the, the decisions that you have to make in, in a lightning flash instant. Um, so I think having a voice of reason, having people that are willing to discuss and talk about things, especially the emotional side, because I know cops here in the state of Kentucky. I know state troopers. I know city cops in my town. And a lot of them will pull me aside and they'll have these type of conversations. Mm-hmm. But it would be it'd be really, really nice to be able to say, you know what, not only can I give you my story, but I can give you a resource within your community. You know, and I think that's where you, where you guys will have a ton of value because just I work with a lot of veterans and I, I hear those stories, but they're also in a place of I am an alpha male. I'm a male doing a very, very difficult job. I have certain expectations as a soldier. Mm-hmm. OK, now I have to come back home and be a civilian and I have to be OK with that. And that's a that's a large digression from what yeah. they're trained to do and what they're effective at. And. It really is hard for, I think, some some people especially that have developed, you know, the identity as this is who I am, this is what I do, this is my requirement. Yeah. You can lose a little bit of yourself in that, you know, because you become a hero type figure. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're you're trying to do this for, for clout chasing. You're not trying to be a hero just because you want to wear that badge. You want to be a hero because you want to live up to that badge. Yeah. So I think there's a pressure put on you all to perform and to be perfect. Well, perfection is what is the is the pinnacle point of madness because perfection is impossible. True. So I think you get a lot of these officers that are second guessing themselves, second guessing situations, and just having two people that are willing to talk about it to, to to just tackle this head on. I think the world needs this more and more and more and more and more. So thank you guys for what you do as far as jobs, and thank you for what you're doing and try to help people with mental health um, and just being real. You know, the, there's no need to wear the badge 24 seven. I know that I talk about that with my soldiers. You're not in combat at home. Yeah. You know, let's, let's put the aggression down and let's think differently at home. It's not easy, but you got to get them talking about it. And you guys are doing that. So thank you. Appreciate you, Thanks. man. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks, Brandon. I really appreciate that. There are a few key points I wanted to hit. Um, one was just by you talking, Brandon. And when I was going through my, I'm eight months sober now from alcohol. But like early sobriety, I was like, who can I go to that is going to get it? that's not going to judge, that's going to be there, that's been in that dark, deep labyrinth before. And yeah. you're the first guy I thought of. And what <laughs> we're talking about here is in, in AA, this 12-step recovery, this is the step work. This is every yeah. day, every day, even if you're not in recovery, step work goes through everyday life. And going through the steps, as in um, basically we're here to help each other. So you take what you learn and you pass it to one person, pass it to another person. And that's what the step work's all about. And I'm really happy that you hit that. And it's the same thing from like Dave Tate, Elite FTS, right? Like live, learn, pass on. And sure. that's exactly what this is right now. And this is exactly what people need to do because let's say you are in recovery, but you're not really sharing your recovery with someone else. A lot of relapses in the first four years, an alcoholic has 90% to relapse, especially sure. if they're not going to meetings and sharing their story. So a lot of people don't realize when they're sharing their story and helping another addict or helping another alcoholic, they're also saving themselves. Mm-hmm. So I really, and I, and I think you know what I mean, Brandon, because you kind of said that. You kind of saw yourself in, in my shoes, I'm guessing, when I was in yeah. that dark space. So I really want to thank you. And that's what Rest for Responders is about. Is it's not only an open gym for uh, first responders and military, it's those support groups, those two times a week 
that now I'm posting online every Sunday. And we have six to 10 people. I mean, I had a guy yesterday who's a rookie CEO in Virginia and I'm all the way in New York. You know, I've had guys from Wisconsin. It's just like something really special that you didn't think it was possible. But when guys see that, that they're like, we're here for them. It's really like, wow, like this is actually real, you know? So I just want to yeah. thank you for bringing that up. And Stan, I want to thank you, man, for your, your profile and your journey and you being real and, you being a mentor to Jay, it's kind of funny how it crosses, you know, they cross paths here, like like X marks the spot here. So <laughs> I want to thank you guys. So to jump into the labyrinth, we're going to go deep right now. Brandon, I want to hit up like uh, before this all started where you are today, man. Like how was, because I've read your book, The Cube, and I've, yeah, I've yeah. known I've, you. Like when I think you, I think of Animal. I think of Dan Green. I think of the sure. ant. Like that was, that was my power lifter. You guys were my lifters growing up like that's why i admired marcel and all that but yeah three power lifters how was high school life for you man like what did that really entail more of you know your friend your friends high school sports and really how how was high school for you growing up so i'm gonna try to deconstruct myself like i could give you the i could give you the coloring book story that sounds really good but i kind of want to talk about <laughs> some realizations that i've had as i've gotten older so i made a post about this on instagram and i realized not too long ago, really, but as a kid, I never, ever learned how to make friends. And that sounds really crazy, mm -hmm. but I was never in a situation where I, I had to go through the processes of actually developing friendships. And I think that stunted my ability to be a good friend as an adult because I was a good athlete. So I always had these pendulums of, of people in my life, like my soccer buddies were here and they were my friends when soccer season was on and then when basketball rolled around. Those kids were my friends. And when baseball rolled around, those kids were my friends. So I never had to really develop friendships. And especially when you're a good athlete, people automatically want to surround themselves with you or be, you know, be friends with you. So it was very easy for me to, to have friends, but I never stoked the fire of friendship. You know what I mean? So I was not a good friend at texting first or calling first or reaching out I would reply when it, when I was spoken to but I never learned to do the heavy work to really have friends gotcha. um so I was like I said I was a well-rounded athlete I was a good student and I was also into like chess club I was into a lot of different books mm -hmm. so it was difficult for me I was kind of like at the nucleus of these other circles you know I was I was a little bit connected to all these groups but I was still the last phone call on Friday for all those groups gotcha. you see what I mean yeah, yeah. um it was a little bit of a challenge for me because it was like, well, are these guys mad at me? Well, no, they're not mad at you. You're just not talking to them anymore because your season changed. So as I got older, I looked at that in my personal relationships with females too. It was like, I would expect them to go the extra mile for me, but I wasn't really going the extra mile for them. So I, I just kind of felt myself involving in this negative loop. And then that led to okay, how can you have more friends? Well, obviously, partying is a, is a way to meet more people, to socialize, yeah. and that just became, like, the effort to be the guy that drank the most or was the loudest or the craziest or whatever. So my friend model or my ability to make friends was always stunted by achievement or action. So I was either a really good athlete or I was the loudest, drunkest, craziest, wildest guy at the party. Mm. And, you know, that made me fun, but that didn't make me a very good friend. So after or after high school, I kind of skip around here. So after high school, I went to college, got into throwing, uh, was throwing shot put hammer, 
And that was more so it satisfied my coach enough that I was good enough at that, that he gave me entrance to the, the athlete weight room. So I got a better weight room facility just by showing up on, on showing up on Saturdays and throwing. And shortly after college, um, I started powerlifting pretty much, I wouldn't say full-time, but it was my focus. And then I found Strongman and really, really loved Strongman, did really, really well in that, uh, went to nationals in Utah, got, I placed really well there, I got third. Um, but it was just, it was taxing me from the fact I was newly married, had a, had a new son, and was driving an hour after work to, to train for an hour and a half and then driving an hour back home. So I was literally leaving home at 6.30, getting home at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And that was that was no kind of life as a new father. That was no kind of life as a new husband. That was really no kind of life for anybody. You know, it was just, it was too much. So I, I had a really good group of powerlifters here locally that had kind of just been asking me to come over and try, you know, train with them or whatever. But I enjoyed because of my athleticism, because of my speed and my relative strength. Strongman seemed like a better fit for me. But I just couldn't qualify spending that much time on the road for so little um, actual result. You know, it was, I could train close to home. So I started training three days a week with the powerlifters, one day a week with the strongmen, mm-hmm. kind of how I had you training, Frankie, powerlift through the week, strongmen on Saturday. Like a and, hybrid. Yeah, yeah. And it worked yeah. for a long I like time. A like, I got better. I progressed. But it just felt like a, and I don't say this on those guys, but I just felt like I was progressing at powerlifting and it was just so much easier, so much less time investment for me. So I, I stuck with that, got the invite to Westside Barbell, again, because of some of the stuff I've talked about as far as this wild party atmosphere, as well as not really investing and knowing how to make friends. Mm-hmm. When I was there, I, I really kind of skimped on a, a fantastic opportunity. Yes, I got stronger, but instead of viewing those guys as my teammates and my competition, I only viewed them as competition. So every day at Westside was kind of a it was one step away from my true self because I just kind of shadowed myself in, you know, I, I put up the walls. If you beat me, I just had to figure out a way to beat you. That's all that mattered. So I didn't care if people liked me and that's where it became dangerous. When I stopped caring if I was doing a good job of being a good human, because I didn't care if people liked me, you know, Oh yeah, well you can't even unrack what I squat. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care if you can't pick up what I do. I don't care what you have to say. So I started to, uh, you know, kind of morph into this, bravado and this machismo that was totally false like i was so insecure but i was growing myself into this figure tattooed bald and strong that was stay away from me get the fuck out of my face kind of mentality or a look so that exacerbated well nobody likes me nobody cares about me everybody's against me so it just became this negative loop inside my head where everybody was against me you know and inside my head I kind of convinced myself that that's the way it should be. It's a man versus the world, right? All this stuff of self-made, all this stuff of, you know, I I did this all on my own. You might have been the orchestrator. You might have been the person that did these things. But no one is truly self-made. It's we made. Mm -hmm. We made this. Even if you have 100,000 supporters online, they helped you along the way. They helped you cultivate this process and cultivate this person that you become. So... I try to look at that more so now, you know, I just, to shorten the story there, I just power lifted after Westside and did my own thing, went raw out of the gear and kind of headstrong in that movement. But see, even then it wasn't me going raw for the sake of being a good raw lifter. It was me going raw to challenge everybody in gear. Like, let's see what you really got. Yeah. Like it was just a challenge competition mindset at all costs. 
And when somebody wouldn't come over, instead of me winning and feeling like, okay, I accomplished this because I beat them, I just thought their dismissiveness was a, was a win. Like, oh, they're, they're afraid to come over. You know, and I needed to feel that because I was so lost inside myself. I was kind of broken. Um, and I was posturing as though I was on top of the world. And that's where the real dichotomy comes in is that, you know, public view, you're up here, personal view, you're down here, and they start to clash. You know, I just couldn't hold that line, and I started to fall apart. And thankfully, thankfully, I actually had a physical injury that I mentioned before where I, I hurt myself and, and busted up both knees in a squat competition. Well, it was in a competition on the squat lift. And that showed me really right then and there how valuable I was to those people who were showing up all the time with their handout or with, can you post this or can you share this or can you try my product? They stopped coming around. So then it was even more me against the world because now I'll show those people too, even my supporters. So I'm not saying that everyone has this story, but I'm saying that when I talk to people that are looking for help or looking for ways out, there's a little bit of all of this in there. They feel isolated. They feel withdrawn. They feel competitive with their peers. Um, and I think that's intrinsic as men. When we're young, we're taught that. Like, you have to be bold. You have to be brave. You have to be big. You have to be strong. And I'm not saying that those aren't amazing characteristics and qualities to have. Yeah. But when they're the only qualities you have as justification to be better than someone else, I don't really think that we're ever better than anyone else. I think we're just different. And we might be better at certain things. But you have to look at the whole. And that's where my coaching, that's where my passion, that's where my heart is now is to help people. If, yeah, if, if a 500-pound squat makes you a better dad, let's do that. But let's make sure you're a good dad too, you know? Gotcha. So um, just quick, like, little spin off of that. How did uh, you and Sin meet? So, actually, I started following him. Um, it was over the, the Afro Brutality shirt that I first saw was the one with the glove raised. You know, and I reached out to him about that, and I really wanted that shirt. Um, and I, I wanted the shirt because of the symbolism of it, because I identified with it in the fact of, you know, he made very, very clear, just because it's an Afro, this is not a, an African-American or a black man's movement. This is all of us. This is all of us. You know, and I identified with that because I felt like, again, and, and falsely, and I'm glad that I'm coming around to this, but I felt like I was fighting the world. Like I was trying to show people different. I was trying to show a better way. And what it shows me now is I don't need any of that. I can stand here as an individual and raise my hand and say, I'm proud of this man. I'm proud of what I've become. But at the same time, that doesn't put me a dude. If Stan walked over and grabbed my hand and we raised hands together, that's solidarity. That's strength. You know what I mean? Exactly. Whereas before I didn't understand the message. I, I like the shirt. And I thought I understood the message, but now I actually get the message, you know, and that was probably, when was that, Sin? That was 13, 14 or, oh, I, I can't hear you, bud. Oh, you got to take that off mute. Something. There we go. The mute. Uh, yeah, that was 2010. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. I thought it was, you said 13 up there, but yeah, it was even longer than that. Cause okay, I was still at Westside. I was. Yeah, it was it was way back, and like I said, man, a decade. that was Damn. that was at the beginning. Again, I wore that shirt for my own reasons, but for the wrong reasons. You know, I, I just like the design, and I, I applied the design to myself rather than trying to be more like the design. Gotcha. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's crazy that you you brought up that whole like me against the world. Sin has a shirt. Oh, it, 
Afro brutality versus everybody. And I just think like, as soon as you said that, I thought about the shirt, man. It's like, yep. Sin, Sin has, Sin's got, Sin's a very strong minded cat. So it's like, uh, when I, you know, when I, when I saw that shirt, I said, Sin, I got to get that shirt, bro. Just because. <laughs> that was, that was one of my favorite shirts as well. Yeah. A lot of us have that mindset. It's just like, you know, you were just speaking on it. It's, it's like, you know, uh, it's, especially if you have that alpha vibe to you, right? It's like, it's like me versus everybody. Um, and then I'm, yeah. it may not necessarily be that, but it's just, you kind of have to have that mindset in order to kind of push forward. Um, so you know, I think, I think at 20 years old, I think that's the only mentality only, to exactly, have. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Really older. <laughs> and then you kind of understand, yeah. you know, that mindset is not such, such a great thing, but it, it's good yeah. to kind of get the wheels rolling though. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to spin Absolutely. this to, to sing like, um, you know, off of what Brandon was saying, like, uh, do you, do you feel like you've had that mentality as a businessman, as a, uh, as a, uh, entrepreneur? Um, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that was, uh, you know, you gotta remember I'm 2007, I'm in CrossFit, right? Mm -hmm. And at the time CrossFit was only military police, uh, fire department, like, there were some, a few entrepreneurs, but for the most part, it was gym rats. It was military, first responders, period. So imagine, you know, of course I'm black, right? But imagine just walking into a room of all military, yeah, including the, you know, the level one staff, you know, uh, most of these. This is where your uh, Patrick Sherwood was. This is Andy Stump. These uh -huh. are these are guys that were doing level one. They were at my level one. So I'm walking into not necessarily a, a hostile environment, but definitely one of, you know, I don't want to say law and order, but definitely one of stature. You know what I mean? It's definitely one of guys that have seen combat, right? Yeah. And I'm just coming from all of them, you know, the, the, the combat I'm dealing with is, you know, am I, who's going to rob me or is it possible to get shot? I mean, it's, you know, it's, that's the type of combat that I've lived, you know, lived up to and through and gang prevention and all that other stuff. But, you know, <clears throat> it just brought back kind of like more of my militant mind immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, I was uh, I wanted to show some solidarity between myself and them. And I wasn't sure how to do that. You know, we Andy and I you know, hit it off the bat right there in like 2008. And we, uh, we kind of off and on stayed in contact, but you know, it, it was a way for, as soon as I got in there, it was like, well, what is it am I going to add to this situation? That's going to be beneficial. What can I add to CrossFit? That's going to, you know, at the time make CrossFit better because I was a part of it and make myself better and make it something that, you know, we both could recognize and be respectful for. And then, you know, I came up with the design, which I had had in my head, you know, since I was a child of the Afro with the skull and the Afro pick. And then the Afro brutality word just kind of came to me as I was circulating and, and looking at that design. You know, I had a list of other names, but I wanted something that was going to scare the fuck out of people. I, you know, I'm not sure we were allowed to curse, no, but okay. I wanted someone... I wanted something that was going to scare people when we walked in. Like we would go to Connecticut and all these other places to do CrossFit competitions. And I just, everyone had on, you know, all these great colors and all these nice little sayings and stuff. I wanted us, <laughs> when we walked in, 
they'd be like, oh my God, there they go again. Yeah, yeah. Because every time we walked in, we were ruining everybody's day. (laughs) These guys were training for six months for this event, a year, whatever. They were like, once Stan and the crew walked in, they were like, oh, oh my God, they're here again. And we were like, hell yeah, we're here. What's up? And I made sure, you know, we were doing Strongman too at the time. You know, it was Rob Orlando, and he was he was mixing the CrossFit with the Strongman, yeah, the hybrid, which is how yeah, I yeah. came up. Mm-hmm. Which how I came up with that design, Brandon. I'm not sure if you knew that, but that powerlifting to the people really came from, you know, clearly that Olympic, you know, that that part of the Olympic when uh, they put the fist in the air. And then it was, you know, power to the people at the time. And I just put powerlifting in there and, and did it that way. But, you know, it was, I wanted to add to the situation. I wanted to figure out how can I respect myself, you know, as a black, you know, Latino individual, how can I respect, show some respect for CrossFit who's giving me this shot? And how can I show some respect for, you know, the culture that I was raised in my entire life? So I, that's where Afro brutality came from, but it really came from the essence of wanting just to scare people to death mm-hmm. when we walked in so they could recognize like, okay, we are here and we're going to ruin your day. You know, I, I wanted us to be the bad guys. You know, I wanted us, we were the good guys clearly because we, we stood for something, but I wanted us to be perceived as not a joke, not a game. Like we're, we're going to ruin your day. It, yeah. It's happening right now. Got it. Got it. I love that. I love that man, just because that's how that's how I like ran across Afro brutality. I remember, um, just like at the time, I, I so I started crossing like 2012, and I was kind of just like all over the place. And then um, I remember, oh man, I forgot it was a it was like a three quarter tee that you had. It was like Afro brutality sports, really? and then it had the skull on it, and it had like the American flag. I think it had like some red, white, and blue situation on it, and I was like, I don't know Jimmy? why. I don't know. I don't know why it resonated with me, but that shirt was the first short that I that I that I bought. Tell me what that shirt was again, because I don't know if it's me, but I'm I'm running some issues. Here. It was like a three quarter. It was I like, had white sleeves, black base. Said Afro Brutality Sports had the skull and had then like the skull American, with the flag with inside. With the flag, yeah. yeah. So I remember that resonated with so many people, man. You have no idea. Yo, that shirt, and I remember you had a pair of sweats that went with that too. But I yep. bought the shirt, and I remember I pulled five eighty five in that shirt, and that's the shirt that I, I tagged you in and you put me up on the, on the, uh, on the page. And I was like, yeah, man, like, and that kind of got me going, you know what I mean? So it's just like, that's good. We all have a story that kind of goes with the shirt, like in the mindset. <laughs> and as soon as you told me you had a relationship with Brandon, I was like, yeah, I got it. I got a piece. This I together. mean, that's my guy, man. I've known Brandon for 10 years. And yeah. I want to say this because it's the first time I'm hearing this. I, I want people to, I don't know what it is, man, but I'm going to say this, right? Like, when it comes to Brandon, I don't, I never saw any of this darkness. Everything he's talking about right now, mm-hmm. I've never fucking seen it. Never heard of it, never saw it. When I saw Brandon, he was, he sent me a fucking selfie in the bathroom of wearing my shit. <laughs> it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life because that was the point. Yeah. I was, I'll the tell you this. The point was to have the fucking mountain. Mountainous, whitest motherfucker on the planet <laughs> wearing my shit. Yeah. It was not about, you know, I love you, Jay, but it wasn't yeah. about you. Yeah, <laughs> be yeah. like, it was about having the hickest, whitest motherfucker on the planet wearing my shit <laughs> and a bathroom selfie with the motherfucker and sending it to me. Love it. Yeah. That's what this is always about. 
I remember exactly where I was. I want to correct you, man. When you said you didn't get the essence of the shirt or you didn't get that, you got it. Before the motherfucker, you took a selfie in the bathroom. You sent it to me. I posted that so many times. You have no idea. Because that was the purest essence of what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the purest form of it, man. This is not about me. This is about, I'm taking care of my community. I have a certain amount of knowledge of myself, but that's just so I can hold it down in my fort. Yeah. Absolutely. Now you go (laughs) hold it down in your fort and we'll, we'll check in with each other every now and then to make sure we good. But as long as we all holding down our little four corners of the world and solidarity and love, man, that's what the fuck this is about. It's not about me. You know, the funny thing is, Jay brought up the after brutality versus everybody. Let me tell you something. This is the first time I've ever said this. I swear to everything I love, every time I wear that shirt, man, I just get it from all ends. And I'm not talking like mm-hmm. because they know I'm wearing that shirt. There's something about the energy behind that statement, man, yep. that every single time I wear that shirt, man, it's probably one of the most challenged days I've ever had mm-hmm. every single time. And it's just something about declaring that everyone is against you, yeah. that the energy, oh, yeah, we're against you. Watch, watch, watch. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. I'm like, uh, I hate wearing it, but I wear it just to see if the it's still real. Yeah. Is that energy still real? It still exists. But I made that because, you know, clearly, you know, I ran into some issues with Reebok taking my designs and not paying me and all this other madness. And I really felt like, because if you, if you track my course, and, you know, I'm just saying this real quick, but I said so many trends in CrossFit, man. You have absolutely no idea. And I, I got, know, I, lived it. I, I said so many businesses in motion. You have absolutely no idea, man. I took so many free phone calls and helped so many people with their business plans and all that, man. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for a dime, nothing. Some, you know, granted me, you know, like a, a, a co-venture, you know, and some just ripped me off, man. But I, it got to the point I would just felt like, man, how am I going to get out of this funk that I'm in and go to the next level, man? I, I, I literally felt like everyone was against me. And I made that because it was a reflection of how I was feeling at the time. And you'll, you'll see that and people will understand that later on that. A lot of what I do is really based on how I'm feeling right now or what emotion I need to get off my chest or, or something I really need to speak about. You know, I, I'll give you another example, man. I lost my girl, man. We broke up. We broke up. And then I came up with this apple brutality whore. Like, oh. I damn near drew her with a skull and I made a shirt and I sold a bunch. Like, you know, it's, it's just what I do, man. It, it's really a part of that, you know, like I gotta, I want people to understand me, but I want to understand myself and I want to see something that's working or workable that I can kind of tell a story about or around. So, you know, that's where I came from in terms of how I got started. I mean, I was, I was in CrossFit when it was all military mm-hmm. and I had to do something or show something that was going to add to the situation and not look like I'm just, carbon copying someone else you know what i mean got you i want to reiterate something there too because a lot of people will say man your posts are inspiring i don't have i don't have a creation point like sin does like Mm -hmm. 
I, I admire the shit out of that because I've identified myself too lately, or not lately, but it's kind of more accepting of this, that I strive to create. I strive to, I think I have an artist's heart, and I've never really known how to actualize a lot of that because when things got hard for me, I quit them because every time I picked up a ball, it was easy. Yeah. So I, I didn't, I, I had a guitar for 20 years and only been playing it for two. Because every time I pick it up, it was hard. I put it back down. Yeah. Every time I would pick up a paintbrush, it was hard, so I put it down. But in the last little bit, um, I've been kind of accepting of the fact that even in my programming, I need to be a little creative. I need to have a little art to it. So a lot of times, and what Sam was talking about here, creating a shirt based on his emotion, when people will read my post and they're like, dude, I needed that today. Guess who the first motherfucker that needed that today was? Me. <laughs> it was me. You know, and like when I'm posting something highly motivational, you can bet I am in rock bottom motivation. Like I am trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to dig those feelings out because then it's like, okay, I'm accessing those feelings that were, are within me and they get me over the hump. Maybe it'll get somebody else over the hump too. And then I go out there and I get my workout done. I show a video from that. So it's like, okay, the words are the before. Cause I always type that shit in my notes beforehand. Mm -hmm. Then I show the workout and it's like, okay. This is the before, this is the after. And that's where my plus one came from. That's where my plus one, it actually started, I won't say that it actually started on this day, but it started, it stemmed from this day. So 4-12 of 2016, I had a gun barrel in my mouth. Ooh, I did not yeah. want to live. I did not think life was worth living. I did not think that I was worth did living. Did you say 2016? Yes, sir, I did. Oh. Yep. So I kept going through this mess in my head like, all these people that had loved me and I'd hurt them and stuff, you know, I thought what a better thing to give them a release from all of my bullshit. And I would rather the people that love me think I was a coward than I didn't love them. Mm -hmm. So, but in this moment, I thought, no, that's not the answer. Just love them back. Love yourself first and love them back. So that's where I started. The plus one with me was, is this going to take you closer to who you actually want to be? Or is this going to take you further? And we're allowed negative ones all the time. But by default, when I wake up, if I got breath in my lungs, beat in my heart, and the sun in the sky or rain in the clouds, it's a plus one. I'm alive. That's right. So that's a plus one every single day. Then throughout my day, it's like... <laughs> hold I, on, hold on. Can we go back to the gun in the mouth thing? Yeah, absolutely. How the fuck did you get there, man? So alienated from son, alienated from my ex, alienated from my mother and father. This was two years post-injury. Mm -hmm. I kind of... I kind of tried to make some attempts at getting better, trying to make some attempts at, at repairing some things, repairing finances, repairing my life and, and all of it. And I just kept finding more failure. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay. I just started to feel like I'm the problem. I am the, the continuum of all these problems. I am the common denominator in my failures. So I thought for my son, he was the one that I kept primarily thinking about was like, man, this kid I brought this beautiful, perfect human being into this earth, loved him dearly, and somehow I transferred that love into selfishness, and it turned into, hey, hey, don't worry, Daddy will be home next week. I got a, I got a powerlifting competition this weekend, or I'll be home next weekend. You know, and it just extended because I was chasing this art, like I was chasing this archetype of a man of who I thought I had to be. Uh -huh. And I'll tell you where I got punched in the mouth with it. This was right before. All of that happened. I uh, I benched 600 pounds, and I was so proud to call him. Like he's three or four years old. Like he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. So I call him, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, Daddy benched 600 pounds. 
And he goes, oh, okay, I finished my Lego set. Like, he was excited to tell me about his Lego set. Mm -hmm. And then I was talking to his mom, and she goes, you didn't have to lift that to be his dad. You were already Superman. You know, and, like, that was a big, big wind out of my sails because it was like Mm -hmm. I was trying to qualify my manhood, my fatherhood, my worth in the weight that I lifted, right? But you you get away from the platform. You get away from the powerlifting world. My son doesn't give a shit what I lift. He just wants a dash. My ex didn't give a shit what I lifted. She just wanted somebody to show up, be good to her. You know what I mean? So I'm away from her. I'm with another ex that I'm just beating down. Like I'm emotionally just withdrawing all of her energy, all of it. So I was just at a really, really, really bad place in my life where it was, I just let everybody down. That's what I felt like. I felt like I let everybody down and I couldn't get out of my own way to get forward. But in doing so, I called my I called my dad and we talked. We had some conversation about some things. We were so distanced and fractured, but I had seen that he had changed. So that's where the, that's he kind of encouraged me to just get through the next twenty four hours. Keep getting through twenty four hours at a time. Don't look at six weeks. Just get through the next day. Hours so that was, day. Yeah. that was the that was the foundation of the plus one. I just need one more day. I just need one more day, and I'll get this thing right. And I kind of along the way came up with the idea. If it took me a thousand or if it took me 10,000 bad decisions to get in this hole, it's going to take me a thousand and one or 10,000 and one to get yeah. myself out. Yeah. Like you can't, that's the one thing that they don't tell you on those self-help uh, posts. It's like, you can get better today, but you ain't going to get as good as you hope you want to be today. Mm-hmm. Do the, do the work today. So it builds on tomorrow and on tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And like when I go to a restaurant now, I don't open the menu. I already know what I want that will help me reach my goals. So when I sit down and I talk to the waitress, I just ask him, I say, Hey, I need a steak. I need a sweet potato and I need a broccoli or asparagus. Can, can you help me with that? They'll tell me what steaks they have. They'll ask, or they'll tell me if they have asparagus, broccoli, Brussels, whatever it is. That way I'm not looking at hamburgers with onion rings and barbecue sauce on top of it. That way I'm not looking at the ribs. So that's, that's the way I, that's how I approach my life. It's like, I don't want to train today. Okay. I can, I can buy that. Cause some days we just don't have that, yep. but I'm not going to be lazy. I'm not going to be still. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to walk a lap around my, my, around my neighborhood, or I'm going to go out here and I'm going to do 50 pull-ups. And a lot of times what happens is that one lap about halfway through it, it's like, all right, jog this next lap, yeah. you know, or run this next lap, or let's do a hundred pull-ups or let's do 50 Hindu push-ups. Like my off days just look like movement. And I, I excuse myself, you know, like my body is telling me it doesn't want to train today. Maybe I should listen and maybe I should kick it in the ass and see how serious it is. Yeah. You know, so, so I have to do something. I, I don't ever let myself completely off the hook. But if your idea of winning that day is to sit on the couch and you go do something else, that's championship season, baby. That's yeah. when you really win when you don't want to. So wow. I don't, I, that's kind of how I work for myself is like, did I sit here and watch Netflix or did, did I watch Netflix and have my journal in my hand yeah. or did I watch, did I read and have music playing? Like I don't, I just try not to excuse myself. So it's always, it's, it's a process for me now. That's not like sounds maddening, but it gives my day structure working out or work or not working out, which is going to get you closer to your goal. Working out, do that, you know, saving $10 versus blowing 10 bucks on fast food, which is going to get you closer to your financial goals. Saving the $10. Yep. Is that also going to get me closer to my nutrition goal? Plus one. 
It's like all these plus ones start stacking. Right. So, I, live my, I live my life like that, man. Like it's it's funny how you mentioned. Yeah. That. Like there's days where I wake up, I don't want to do police work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know I got to go in there and just be the best that I can be, and I'm sure Frank can probably attest to that. But, you know, it's the days where you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and yeah. you know. It, you just got to do something. You know what I mean? Don't. It's like if you sit there and do nothing, it doesn't solve the problem. It only compounds it. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. Like, all you you know, if you sit down and do nothing tomorrow, that problem's still gonna be there. So you gotta attack it in some shape, form, or fashion. I mean, I'm pretty but, sure Frankie can chime in on that. You know what I mean? Like, for sure. Well, the one thing I want to say is, Brendan, um, thanks uh, for sharing what you shared because it's a. Uh, very powerful and I'm um, happy you didn't do that in uh, April 2016 because you yep. have realized how many lives uh, I mean uh, I can, I'm speaking for myself but probably other guys too other men and, 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 and females that you've impacted and that you've changed um, and you you before you even said that story man like to me it hit me as in like you're like alienated from your family your kids but you really you took responsibility man because you really admitted that you alienated from Brandon this whole sure. entire journey that you did before you got there was Brandon versus Brandon. And those thoughts you created that you had to be this image of who you are, this, you know, Jack, Jack guy with a beard. And, and yeah. <laughs> Brandon created that, you know, but now he's taking responsibility. It's like no one fucking injected a needle and like, all right, Brandon, this is what you're going to think. This is what you're going to look like. This is what Brandon right. thought. And he got him to now where he is now. And this is what this podcast is all about was, dude, you, you're in the labyrinth. And you face the Minotaur, right? The Minotaur is your fear, your doubt, your anxiety. And you were Thesis, the Greek warrior. Yeah. And you you went head on with the Minotaur. And some people, man, unfortunately, the Minotaur gets them, man. Yeah. They don't ever able to get out. And this is what the hero journey is about because you were on one hero journey or powerlifting. Then now you're on a, you, you hurt your leg. You could have stayed to get the Minotaur. The Minotaur could have swallowed you back up. Well, and here's... Bro, I kept trying. You know, 18 knee surgeries. I kept trying to go back into that arena. I kept trying to further myself as a lifter. And that was because I only identified as that lifter. I never, And this is a true story. Yeah. There was a time that I could squat 600 pounds and not walk 500 yards. Because I was so committed to squatting, I was not committed to walking. I didn't give a shit if I could walk. If I could squat, bench, and deadlift, shit, I'm back in business, baby. Like, banks open. So that's that's kind of how I viewed everything. But I'll tell you this, man, I, I really, really implore people to, there's a, there's a relentless self-evaluation that you can do for yourself and you have to get pragmatic. You can't be biased. You can't, there's, there's narrative and there's experience, right? Mm -hmm. And our narrative narrative is somewhat shifted by our experience and you have to forget all that. You have to get very pragmatic. And I'll tell you, I just went through this with my mom. She is, she's been on this journey like a lot of people. I don't want to say women only, but you tend to hear about it more in women where they'll, they'll lose the weight, they'll have everything that they want, and they'll follow this perfect diet. And then the diet ends or they say, I want to go back to my normal living standard. They get off the diet, they gain the weight back. That's, mm-hmm. that's the repetition cycle of my mom. But it all stems from this area of she is so committed to doing for others that she does for herself last. So I told her, and this is, this kind of goes into what I was doing too, but it's noble excuses. Well, I didn't, I didn't take care of myself because I was busy raising three boys, working a job that put a roof over the head, putting food on the table, making sure your clothes were clean. I'm like, mom, 
That's all good. You did that. You did that. But look at yourself. Ask yourself, are you happy? Are you doing the things that you want to do? So when, when I first approached talking to her about it, all she heard was, she's not a good mom. She's fat. She's never had drive. She's never done these things. That's the narrative in what she was hearing me say, right? So I had to stop her. I said, look, your narrative is totally destructive. I never once said anything, but I love you and want to help. You're hearing the things that you're wanting to hear because you believe those things. Yeah, it was her yeah. perception. Let's look at these things. So we went through the list and I said, have you lost 80 pounds? Yes. Can you do that again? I don't know. If you do the same things that you did the first time, do you think that the result will be similar? Yes. Okay, how can we not gain back the 80 pounds? What can we do? So it had to be this kind of working around, massaged kind of conversation mm -hmm. to help her realize I wasn't attacking her. And that's where I would get to. People would offer me help, but by pointing out my flaws, I thought they were attacking me. Yeah. Rather than saying, you know, man, thank you so much for helping me realize that. I was like, oh, fuck that guy. Fuck him. What's he know about? Mm -hmm. And furthermore, one thing I'll tell you about myself, and speaking to Frankie, talking about my tattoos and whatnot, I had a friend who who's, I, I don't know if he's a psychiatrist or psychologist, but he works in that capacity. And um, I was talking to him about myself and some of the things that I had done and revealing some deep shit with him, you know. And he goes, I want to ask you about your tattoos. Tell me about those. And all of them. I mean, maybe up until 2016, they're all from pain. All my red roses are people that I've lost for years that I spent just circling the drain. Mm -hmm. um, and he's like, you tattooed the saddest story of your life all over your body. He was like, did you think, one, you wanted to do this to keep people away from you? And two, did you think you were trying to paint yourself into somebody new? Oh. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I don't even know. So immediately when we had that conversation, I said, only good tattoos from now. Only good tattoos, right? Like positive shit. And here's the thing. I don't know if I've ever divulged this, but it's like I knew I was a good father in the fact that I, I put money in the bank. I helped food get on the table. I did those things. Like I, I sh shared that responsibility, but it was an investment as a father. So I look at my tattoos during that time. I have my son tattooed right here on my arm. I have his birthday tattooed on my arm. I was disconnected from him, right? Yeah. So I had to put him on there to make sure people, oh, he's got a tattoo of his son. He must be a great dad. He must uh, care to make him. Right. Up. And then wow. like my, my grandfather on his deathbed, he had this long conversation about the name Lily. He was like, it means something. My father made it mean something. I tried to make it mean something. Your father has tried to make it mean something. Always make it mean something. Well, I knew that I wasn't making the name mean a damn thing. Like, I was just self-serving, right? So I got Lily block tattooed across my stomach, huge on there. And that's yeah. another one of those things like, oh, look at me. I'm so proud of this thing. I'm so proud of my name. Dude, I was putting no respect on my name. Yeah. I was only bringing pain to my name. So I had to put it on there in a way that fronted, right? Like it was like, oh, look at this dude. He's repping his family. No, I was not. I was, I was embarrassing myself and embarrassing my family. So I look at a lot of my tattoos in that regard. And I'm trying to make them mean something now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm working towards the fact that they mean something good now. Even though they're bad, they got good They got good in them, too. So, that's a little bit of me. Like, you know, I can I can get bad, but it's an effort for me to, to be good and to do the good things because it's so easy for me to slip back into those traps. Yeah. But it's better this way. It's lighter this way. Love of my child, love of my family, love of my friends, love of this life is so much better for me than being mad at the world, feeling like I have nothing to offer. 
if I just tell the truth about who I am, if I just tell the truth of what I'm doing and one person helps me or one person steps up and says, I help them. That's what life is fundamentally about. You know, Sebastian Younger said this in the book Tribe. The only lone humans in the wild were typically dead humans. You know, Ooh, it's crazy. like <laughs> we, we come together yeah. because we need each other. We got this amazing thing called a brain. Yeah, we got brawn and we can flex. Go out here and do that against a chimpanzee. Go out here and do this against orangutan. Oh, yeah, they right. they can flex at a level a thousand times yeah, greater than we can. Up. So our greatest tool is up here. Yeah. So why do we build our bodies? And neglect our minds. I would rather build my body up at a rate that's half of how I build my mind. So if I can read, if I can study, if I can learn art, if I can listen to new music, if I can listen to new conversation, if I can hear somebody that I hate or I think that I hate and learn from them, that's what to me life is all about. That's that's the full spectrum of overcoming self to embrace another. Let me tell you, man. I think people are gonna listen to this episode and it's gonna blow their mind, man. I mean. Cause there were a lot of gems dropped between between you and Sin. I mean, so much knowledge in the room right now. It's, I'm kind of crazy. I'm, let me, taking, let me, I wanna, I'm taking I notes, bro. Something. I'm taking notes. I got I got I notes. Want, I got notes. Man. Yeah, I want you. To, I want you to finish what you're saying, and I want to say something. Now go ahead, brother. I'm just. I just want to say that. Brandon, let me tell you something. I've never seen you lift before. Yeah. You are not Brandon, the power lifter. In my mind, in my world, you're Brandon Lilly. Hell yeah. You're that guy who took a fucking selfie in the <laughs> 10 fucking years ago yep. and sent me the shit. Yep. So it's blowing my mind. I'm hearing all this darkness, man. Let me tell you something. I've never seen a dark bone in your body, man. Well, I've never seen that in you. I've never seen that in you either. And I'll tell you. Let me just say this, man. I've never seen a dark bone in your body, man. And I've known you 10 years. Yeah. I've seen you lift. I've met you, you know, a few times personally. In person. Yep. I've never seen nothing but love in you, man. And let me tell you something. I know you're talking about your tattoos and this and that and all this and that. Let me tell you something, man. I ain't never seen nothing dark or bad about you ever in, in a moment's notice. The mere fact that you was willing to take your life to help other people not deal with you just shows everything there is to know about yeah, you, man. Yeah. Well, I'm only glad it's coming purest, out. Only the purest of heart are talking about suicide, man. Yeah. Only the purest who want whatever they're doing to themselves or others to take themselves off the planet so that they don't hurt anymore or they don't hurt anybody anymore. Those are the type of people that, now it's selfish, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Man, there's no darkness in you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not listening to this no more, man. I'm not. No, I believe, I believe you. Listen to, me. listen to me. Listen to me. You're not going to keep calling yourself the bad guy, man. I'm not listening to that. <laughs> no, I think, are, I think, I think now. i man who took a fucking <laughs> Bathroom <laughs> selfie ten years ago in my yeah. fucking shirt, man. That's never gonna change. I want to understand this. This is what I want to know because you know what I'm dealing with it right now. Yeah. I want to know if you get to the point where you're putting another gun in your mouth, man. What the who you calling? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, talk to me about that. All right. So here's the thing. I I can tell you from the time I was little, I knew I was different, and I don't mean that like better than I just mean different like I felt things I cared too much about shit so I agree with, I agree with you like you, you've seen it because 
it was strange. The people like yourself that if I looked up to you in some way, I was myself. Like I was legit myself. But if I viewed you as competition or I viewed you as something like, like a woman that I wanted to impress, oh, buddy, I could puff the chest up and I could front hard. But with someone like yourself who showed me kindness and showed me real, it was very easy to expose myself as this genuine, caring, loving person. But in my world, in my view of the world, I didn't think there was any room for weakness, any room for love or, or kindness on a powerlifting platform. Because I, I grew up in the days, and this is nobody's fault but my own, but you had Chuck Vogelpool, the Wesley, uh, the West Side days when it was just hardcore, blood and guts kind of stuff, the Dorian Yates style black and white video training stuff. I thought I had to be that. I thought I had to be that. Yeah, so all of it was a front, bro. And I'm admitting that. Like, it was all a front. And I think that's what led me to that point where I can't hold this act up anymore. I can't be this guy anymore. Like, I miss my family. I miss my son. You know, and I think that's where I got with, dude, just check yourself out of this. But to answer that, if I if I ever get down like that again, man, I'm so fortunate that I've re- I've repaired the relationship with my father. To I could I could call him first and not get judgment, not get anything. And I'll tell you a story. When I when I first came home after I hurt my legs, I was in California when I fell. I was at the the Lakers arena. I was at the Forum. And I was in L.A. County Hospital for seven days. Very, very amazing surgeons. Um, the conditions of the hospital were pretty pretty terrible at the time, but I had an amazing surgeon. Come home. My father didn't even know where I lived at the time. I was living in an apartment with, with another woman that, that I mentioned before. And I was straight casted, both legs out. So I called him. He comes over, and he started talking to me. And like I said before, I'd seen my dad change. You know, over time, I'd seen him evolve. And he comes in and he said, Brandon, I want to tell you a couple things. Uh, first of all, I'm proud of you. I'm proud that you're still here. I'm proud that you're, you're, you're here, you know, with me. And second of all, I want to say I'm sorry for whatever distance put us here. Like, while we got to this point, I'll take responsibility of it because I should have taught you better. I'm sorry. And lastly, I should have told you every single day of your life that I love you. And, dude, when my dad who is about as hard of a man as I've ever known. And I mean that in the terms of good. Like, he got up at 4.30 every day. It was never 4.31. It was never hitting the snooze. It was showing up at work on time, staying late, putting food on the table, showing up at ball games, halfway through, rushing home. Like, he was a good, good dude. And I got to tell him, I think the pressure of being his son is what caused me to rebel. Because I, I immediately saw this man that I modeled as perfection. Like, if there's a Mount Rushmore of men in my life, he's one, two, and three. Yeah. You know, like, he, he's not just one man in my life. He is he is so powerful and good that I felt like I could never live up to that. So I got to go the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And that was because I never got to know my dad as a kid because he was up at 4.30, coming home at 8.30 at night. And then he's getting a report from school and a report from my mom. So it's 30 minutes of discipline, getting a shower, and getting to bed. And, and by discipline, I don't mean he beat me. Like, he spanked me when I need spanking. He talked me to me when I need talking to. But it was, you know, he was doing his job as a father, but it grew that resentment because it's like, man, this guy comes home and all he does is yell at me. All he does is get mad at me. So I was distanced from him as, as that. But when he came in there and he was like, I'm proud of you, I'm sorry, and I love you. Three things that I could not say as a man myself to people. I never apologized for any of my actions. It was like, that's who I am. Get over it. 
I never said I was sorry. I never said I was proud of anybody. And I did damn sure didn't tell people I love them, you know, because, because if I love somebody, if I told them that they got me, they, they know they got the hooks in. But if I just demanded that from them and gave nothing in return, I had the hooks in them. Right. It was, it was just a terrible way to live, a terrible way to think. And I always thought if I pushed people hard enough, they would leave or they would stay and prove their worth. That's where, that was how I viewed myself as a friend. Like, I'm going to test your friendship. I'm going to see how long you're willing to stay. And instead of being a good friend and instead of nurturing healthy relationships, I broke people. And that's that's not something I'm proud of. But as soon as I started to, to get to the point where it was like, I can say I'm sorry. The day that I, the day, it may have been two days after I had the gun in my mouth, I started sending out a lot of, of messages kind of explaining myself to people that I had done wrong. Okay. You know, like, this is where I'm at. This is why I did what I did. This is. I know it was wrong and I know it was hurtful. I got things from thank you for the message to no reply to fuck you and whatever. But I can tell you over the next four years coming to today, I just got a message from a guy yesterday. One of the apologies that I made four years ago. And he was saying, man, I love seeing what you're doing now. Keep going. So it took four years to prove it to him, but I get no say in when that apology sticks. You know what I mean? Because they had no say in how I hurt them. So when that apology sticks, whether it's now or never, I've got peace with it. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to help other people realize is communication is A1. Like every problem I've had in my life has become has come from the place where I can't communicate properly. So I try to make myself a good communicator. I try to make myself a good listener. And I try to make myself understand that if we got the strongest difference of opinion possible, it's only going to get worse. If we just yell at each other and keep fighting, yeah. like I don't talk to people to win arguments anymore. I talk to share information. Like if, if Sid and I disagree on something, I want to talk to him in a way that, so I give him facts. I give him information to digest and talk to me later about yeah. like most often, like if you've, if you've really done some homework on your belief system, your mind's not going to change instantly. But if mm. Sin tells me something today and I go home and I really care about Sin and I really care about what he says a week later, I might hit Sin up and be like, Hey, tell me more about that. Or, I go deeper into it myself and be like, man, I looked at what you said. I listened to what you had to say. I looked further into it myself. I learned a lot about it, but I still don't agree. That doesn't make me dislike sin. That doesn't make me think he's wrong. That's just one disagreement. Yeah. And when I started breaking people down into just one thought doesn't make them whole. Mm -hmm. One thought doesn't make me whole. I'm a collection of things. And I decided right then and there, the only thing that saved me was the love of my family, the love of my friends. That's where I'm going to be. I'm finally proud of that. Dude, I'm wearing a freaking tie-dye shirt and a toboggan. You know, like, I, I don't care what anybody says about me. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I know who I am. I know where I stand. And more than anything, my family knows the caliber of person that I am. And I, I thank you for saying that, Sin, because. Well, let's, well I'm not finished. That was uh, <laughs> All right. Hey, you know, you're long-winded, so I was waiting for you to get me back in. <laughs>
And I don't know if that is just me being blinded or, or just giving a gift. I have no idea. But I want you to know, that's the first thing I want you to know. I've never seen any darkness in you ever. And I'm good at that. The second thing I want you to know, man, is that motherfucking bathroom selfie 10 years <laughs> ago, man, made me keep going. It made me believe I'm shit. This is it. This yeah. is it. I got the mountain. I got a mountain, man. I don't know where you <laughs> were, man. Montana. I don't know where you were. The thing about I it, got Kentucky, the biggest you know mountain, like... man. Where is my shit? Yeah. This is it. I yeah. am on the path. Yeah, dude. Ten years ago, man. And I don't know if I ever paid you that compliment. I tell you, I sent the picture to Jay just to yeah. show him. Hey, yeah. hey, this is my guy. Like, I know <laughs> this guy. This is my guy. I even sent him the last the last time we were together at uh, Tyler. Yeah, um, yeah, in Connecticut. Yeah, man, I sent him that picture too. Like, yeah, you, believe it or not, man, I got that the Abertali versus everybody. I got the hat on too. So I was having a challenging day, but yeah, I I want you to know those two main things, and of course, man, I love you, but I want you to know that I've never seen any darkness in you, man. Thank you, brother. When you're telling me it's a facade, hell yeah, that's a facade, man. Yeah. The fact that you were able to put up that facade for so many years for so many people is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I never saw it. I never saw it. And the thing is, man, I tell you, and I'm going to say it again, like, getting that bathroom selfie, man, 10 years ago, just let me know I was doing the right thing, man. Yeah. No, dude, I appreciate you. And like I said, I think it came with a respect for who you were and what you were about. Like, I knew that there was no bullshit there. And honestly, I don't know if I was looking to you for help, but I believed in what you were saying. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was a different approach to it. Uh, I didn't have to front with you. I didn't have to be anybody else because you were real with me and level. So that's kind of how I operated. When I felt that from you, it was... you do have a gift because you allowed me to be myself. You allowed me to talk about it. Cause we've talked like this even way back, not necessarily to the depths, but just like oh, struggling okay. here, struggling there. But I think it's a real powerful play for a man to, it's not like admitting that you have these things or have done these things is the win. Addressing them is the win. Admitting them is easy. Addressing them and changing them and evolving them. And I can tell you for sure, man, whether it was Frank or yourself, Dude, I'm a, I'm a pyramid of bricks made up of other men. You know, like, your all stories have helped me. I don't know if you even even understand how much so, but when I was sitting here just, just looking for ways to improve myself, dude, so many of your posts, so many of your posts on Afro Brutality, I will read those, and it is like, yeah, dude, it's one more day. It's 24 hours. Get through this, motherfucker. And I don't know if it's, if it's widespread as you want, but I can tell you, it's widespread in my heart. Like, I believe that shit, and I I'm feel that shit. I'm good with one. I'm good with one. But that's the thing. is, I, I think for me, when I was doing the cube method stuff and I was doing a lot of that stuff, I, I talked about this the other day, too. Instead of thanking the people that were on board, I was trying to prove the people that were naysayers wrong. And instead of thanking the people that, that helped me, I was fighting the people that were against me. See that mindset? And that's where I was, and it was even micro levels of that all the way along. So while I got you here, I want to say thank you for the shirt. I want to say thank you for all the messages. And like I said, 
I look at that shirt and it was the same guy that wore it. It was the same hope that came from wearing that shirt. But seeing that shirt now, I would wear it with a different sense of pride, you know. But it's a, I can't even fit in that thing anymore, dude. It's too big. It's too big. Well, let me tell you, you brought up the third because I knew there was three. And you just reminded me of the third. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, man, you know, I'm, I may have to apologize before saying this, but I will not listen to you talk yourself negative no more, man. I'm not listening <laughs> to this shit no more because I've never seen it. Yeah, you clearly turned it around, man. So it's, we just gotta turn those definitions around, man. Like, absolutely. Fuck that past shit, man. Let's just focus on right now and on tomorrow as much as possible. And this is but why. Absolutely. I can't listen to you talk shit about yourself no more, I, man. Yeah, this is why. It's see, Frank, this is why I wanted these guys. Because I've never seen this. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I've never seen this, man. I've never even, even the Cube thing, you know, you and I have gone back and forth for years on how we're going to work together and all that, but you were doing what businessmen do. We yeah. were in a tough industry, man. You're yeah. in powerlifting. I'm in CrossFit. Like, we can't come in there weak and with weak and willy. Like, we can't do it, man. Yeah. We got to come in there like, yo, you approach us, I'm going to take you out. Or, Absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna take your business out. Yeah. And let me tell you, man, I took businesses out straight up. Not because I had more money, but because I had more respect. Yeah, yeah. I believe what I was saying, man. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. The guy next to me, they were like, eh, they got donuts on their stuff or watermelon sin. We can't deal with that. We're gonna deal with you. <laughs> and I had to respect that, man. But yeah. I'm telling you straight up, man. I, I. I might have to hang up because I can't. I can't listen to you talk shit about yourself no more, man. No, no, you gotta understand. I've never seen it, man, and I understand what everyone's going through, man. But somehow, that information will not be accepted into my brain, man. So most no, of that's all good. Most of what you said will be deleted later on in my head because <laughs> I can't listen to you talk shit, man, about yourself. You are the guy in the bathroom. Taking a selfie <laughs> with my motherfucking shirt, making it clear that I was on the right path, man. That you're always gonna be that guy. You're not well, gonna be all this other shit. I think what you're what you're saying is accurate. I am that guy, and I've always been that guy at some level. But it's now it's like the caterpillar to the butterfly. You know, it's gone, I've gone through this transition, and I've accepted that all of these things that you've seen and all these things that you believed I could become. I've always been there. They just need nurturing. Yeah. You always that guy. Absolutely. I mean, it's beautiful that I guess my expectations and all this and that. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing that's happening now, but yeah. this is yeah. talk, man. I can't. I can't. Oh, yeah. man, it's killing me. Damn, yeah. crying over here, man. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this guy put a gun in his mouth? What are we talking about? Yeah. No fucking way, Brandon. No way. Everybody gets to <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right. That's what. That's exactly what I was going to say. Was that Brandon traveling through the labyrinth got him where he is yeah. right now yeah. in his life? And and there's like three and there's three huge things I wanted to say on what Brandon said and something one of Sin's posts that I'll never forget um, was Brandon. You just in like in uh, the step work. You just did yep. step. You did step eight. And I wanted yep. to pull up step step eight because I didn't want to mess this up. But step eight, we made a list of all the persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them, mm -hmm. right? Yep. No matter what, man, right? Like you said, even if they said F you or they didn't answer back, you still took the responsibility, what we talked about before, and the power to let that fucking 
brick mountain off your bag and say, you know what? I had to take responsibility for what I did in the past. And now today I'm going to own up to it. And that just takes a lot, a lot of, a lot of stones, man. So I want to, I want to thank you for uh, actually bringing that up and really you hit step eight there, you know? I appreciate that. But like, it's, it's everything, you know, the training stuff that I'm doing now, enhances this because it gives me energy. It makes me excited. It makes me feel better. I'm lighter. And that to me is my, my calling. Like, powerlifting was my platform this is my purpose right. you know and, and it took separating the two to identify my purpose which is to help people actualize that person that's inside the one thing that's inside like saying you got the ability to create and manifest your life because you're driven and you're going after it and you trust yourself and you know yourself right that's the area that i was lacking in is i knew myself i didn't know it well enough or trusted enough to actually put it out there on display and now i want people to see a man can be happy, a man can cook, a man can learn, a man can do all of these great things, and he doesn't have to be singular. He doesn't have to be spectacularly great at one thing. He can be great at many things, or he can be spectacularly great at a multitude of things. And that's what I'm about now is just giving people the idea that there is some – I do not think a person was born to be a waste. I think every person has a miraculous potential inside of them, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to help people tap into now is – if this ain't working, if this is laborious to get up every single day and do, change direction. Fall on your face. Scuff your knees. Keep going forward and keep plugging away until you find that soul source inside of you that sets you on fire. Sam's got it. I've got it now. Like I'm, I'm, I'm totally in tune in all aspects of my life where the nutrition feeds my training, the training feeds my coaching, my coaching feeds my soul work, my soul work feeds my life. You know, it's all cyclical now. So that's where I'm at now. That's what I'm trying to promote. And that's the same thing that I think Sin in his own way is trying to promote is just do better than you're doing today. And not because you're bad today, because you can do better tomorrow. It's all momentum. Mm. Right. Well, because... I, I will. Um, I got to ask this question, man. It's a terrible question. But Brandon, if, if you'll, if you'll oblige me, man, it's, it's the worst yeah. question ever. Right. Yep. But was there anything I might have been able to say or do or persuade you to kind of be that man that I saw, be that man that I seen in that mirror 10 years ago. Like, was there, is there anything I could have said or done that would have more convinced you to maybe take this road earlier? No. And I think, and here's, and hear me out on that because we're sitting here today because of those text messages, because of those phone calls, and I say that honestly because you were always a person that I and, and here's and here's a true story to you too. I didn't text you more. I didn't reach out to you more because I was struggling and I thought you were all like I thought your shit was all lined out. And I think Frank can talk to me about it. No, but listen, but that when you're in a place and like Frank talked about this to me, coming from a place where you don't feel like you have any worth, I thought I was wasting your time if I reached out. You know, I no, and I'm not saying because of you. I'm saying because of myself. So I think because of your kindness over the years, showing up in Connecticut, dude, I cried driving away from Tyler's place. I literally cried away. And it was like, man, this guy took time out of his day to come see this. Like, 
I didn't know. I'm worth it. 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 i am worth it 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 i with more, so I think. But just so you know, my chick left me like a few months after that. That picture. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing, though, sin does have a place in my story because it was sending me that shirt. It was reaching out to me through those messages, checking in on how you're doing because it was like nobody cares about. Oh, sin just messaged me. Somebody cares. You know what I mean? Simple, so simple check-in. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is, it's like I don't think any one person could have saved. Me. I don't think that at all. I don't think anyone you had to save yourself, man. That's what it's all about. Yep. Yes. And I needed and I needed a kaleidoscope of people in my life to show me there's color out here. Life is good. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, and I think it because like a David Goggins, all right? That's a guy that's high intensity, high level, who's gonna carry the boat shit. Dude, at rock bottom, I didn't want to hear that. Yeah. I didn't want to hear that stuff at rock bottom because I couldn't even, like, who's going to carry my boat? Dude, I can't even put pants on right now. Yeah. Like, I'm so yeah, my cut. shoes. Yeah. So to get to a point to know and look you in the face, I mean, obviously through an interface, but look through the screen and tell you that those messages, they registered with me, man. They made me better in the moments that I got them. I would not wear your shirt unless I felt I was going to bring the ruckus. You know what I mean? Yeah. So wow. kind of like what you're saying right there. You know, look back and show me a picture that I took or posted of myself in a cube shirt. You'll never find it because I was afraid I was going to let myself down. You know what I mean? And and now I, I started wearing people's shirts because it's like, now this person, I got I to gotta bring it today. I got to get up for this one. So if you look back and you see the shirts that I wore for Afro Brutality, they were always leading up to competitions because I needed to bring it every day. Wow. So that's what that's what I used. I don't. I hate saying the word "used." You, but it's I used fine. Your, no, it's fine. it's fine. But I used your energy of what you created to get me through some of those workouts. True story, man. Like I never, I've never hardly wore the cube shirt because it was like, what am I going to add to myself? Yeah. So I would always try to wear other people's stuff where I was drawing inspiration from. So can I yeah, you played. Can I make a Go suggestion? Ahead. Yeah, I say we recreate that vibe with a new shirt. Sin, what do you think? Woo! I, I, Hell I think yeah. this is just cause drop for the bomb, shirt. kid. He just drops a bill, and, and then recreate that vibe. Since we're now we're at a different place now, let's yeah. commend that you know where we are, where we are at as men. Let's let, yeah. let's commemorate that with a with a nice new Afro brutality. Yeah, let's tea. absolutely. So I think you guys. Yeah, really knows. I've been wanting to do something with him for yeah, like. Well, but, but here's the thing too. Is I think it's I think it's come to a point where. I can look you in the face and tell you what I'm going to give you because before, before I would have tried to give you what you wanted or what you needed, but I would have been trying. Now you're just going to get me. So I think the timing of all this is perfect. I think the timing of this podcast is perfect. I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of people through this COVID. You remember that slogan we came up with right after the Tyler thing? I think we went, Uh, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember it. We'll have to look back. Uh, shit. I gotta look yeah, it but we'll be, figure. It might be good. It might be fitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think what this time has done for me is it's it showed me that I'm process oriented. The more structure I can give my day, the more I get done. Whereas I think there have been people who have lost their structure and maybe gotten lost a little bit. So let's build on this momentum, man, because this yeah, is really yeah, good. please. 
And I think coming out of this COVID stuff, this lockdown stuff, people are going to be looking at how they can better themselves. So now more than ever, if you got four guys that are doing good and you got a shirt that can rep what we're trying to achieve and rep some love, now is a perfect time for that, you know? I agree. Yeah, so, oh. so let's get that oh. done, bro. I, 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 I'm, I'm looking oh, we're going to get that done it. now. I'm, gonna, I'm looking See, forward to it. Before, we're, before we wrap up on that, you know what? I just want to hit a few good things is that, Brandon, when you said that 600 bench, you know, I wasn't 600 bench. I was trying to, in my head, and it's funny you said that, and I did a quote that you said, and after I went through what I went through, I finally got it, was I, in my head, I wanted to pull 600 at 180 natural. And for me, I was like, that's me, right? That's like, if I could do that naturally, if I could pull 600 at 180. And when I was going for it, I've never even pulled it to this day yet, uh, 585. And my girlfriend said to me, I've never seen someone care so much about a deadlift and nothing else in like, no matter what, like giving up overtime just to train. And when you said that, Brandon, about your like, but when I said, I'm, I, Chris, I hit 585, that's her name. She was like, oh, okay, like that, that's awesome. And it was like, the topic changed. And now Brendan's quote is, if you let powerlifting mean something uh, to, how does it go, Brendan? If you, mean, if you let powerlifting uh, mean it to someone else besides yourself, you've already lost. And right there in that moment was like clarity of like, holy shit, that's what that quote's about. That's back in 2016, actually, for me too. And I was like, wow. And then to go to Sin, Sin, I saw one of your posts. It was like, it, like this is back in two, three months ago. It was like, it's time to change your bloodline. And now when I saw that bloodline quote, right? My name, my name is Frank. I'm Frank the fourth. My dad's Frank the third. My, um, he's a volunteer fireman. My grandfather uh, was, in the, was in the military. He passed away. I had a heart attack at 65. I never met. My great grandfather died. Another Frank died on the U.S. of Thorchester in World War II. Uh, Saint by Germany, a, a German sub. But the, what I'm getting at is, these all the, my my father, like you hit Brendan, my great grandfather. I always heard they're great guys, but the problem is, and I'll throw money on it. I said this on another podcast that my even my first grandfather, my great grandfather, was probably an alcoholic. My great sure. my grandfather died at a heart attack at sixty five from drinking and smoking. My dad was going down the same path, and I said, Frank, holy shit, you are a good person, but you're going down the same path. This is the time for me to really focus on myself and my sobriety and my recovery, because not only yeah. for me. Right. But now when I have kids, they don't have to see their father maybe drinking if it's just on the weekends or whatever. They're going to have kids. Right. They're not going to be drinking. That is going to trickle down from an effect that people could look at recovery and and their sobriety and what they went through as not just also for themselves. But like how Brandon said it, it trickles down. It can trickle down from fucking generations to generations to generations. And you might change something you never even thought. So I really wanted to thank you, Sin, for that. And that's how I look at it, man, because I know that feeling that I was in in 2018. And I'll tell you, man, just for today, I'm not fucking picking up a drink because I don't want ever want to go back down there, man, ever in my mm, life. So I, that's how I look at it. So I just really want to thank you guys so much because now, Brandon, I'm going for a walk with my 46-pound vest, man, and I'm just going to be no headphones, man. <laughs> no, 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 no headphones, nothing, man. I'm just going to enjoy what I just heard, replay that. But before we yeah. wrap up, Brandon, I got a few more questions, man, just for our listeners to get you know, to get to know you a little more. Sure, sure. Um, and also, I also wanted to tell you, I did reach out to you because I knew how of a dark place you were, and you got out of that. And like, yeah. I'm like, holy shit, not in this guy's not really piloting anymore. Kettlebell work. He's going on hikes. He's going on nature. He's freaking playing the guitar. He's doing yeah. all these cool things. And I'm like, this guy's been there. And that's why I was drawn to you because I knew 
you were a different person just from your Instagram posts and your videos and your new podcast and everything. So I want to thank you for that. But I appreciate it. What, what, if you had a one movie to pick, what's your favorite movie? Uh, my favorite movie is Fight Club, and I'll tell you why. I think it's uh, to, to what Sin's saying. I'm long-winded, but Fight Club. <laughs> Fight you Club. Got a for today. It, my my Fight Club for me is actually a love story, and it's a story of what what we're talking about here. You know, it's wrapped in this masculine package. It's wrapped in violence. It's wrapped in aggression. It's wrapped in alcoholism. It's it's wrapped in in all of these things that we 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 see men struggle with. Well, you have this person and the narrator character, right? Well, he wants to be Tyler Durden. He wants to wear better clothes, cooler clothes. He wants the girl. He wants to fuck like an animal. He wants all these things. He doesn't believe he can. Marla keeps showing up for him. Tyler's only in his imagination, but she keeps showing up for him. And at the end, at the end of the movie is what every single man I believe in this earth is striving for. He's literally watching the world that he created through his own Project Mayhem. He's watching the world literally burn. And she walks over and grabs his hand. Hey. And that, for me, is the most powerful love story of all, is a woman that helps a man actualize all of his mistakes. Like, he has to, look, this is all the shit you've done, but I'm still with you and we're going to fix this. That, to me, is why Fight Club is not only one of the greatest love stories of all time, it's one of the realest love stories of all time, because it shows the truth of what men are. We all have a Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden was a 345-pound tattooed powerlifting champion for me mm -hmm. this is the narrator this is me you know and it, it, it showed early on like he had to buy the right things for his apartment he had to drive the right car he had to wear the right clothes you know what i mean and we all try to do that and only after that existence like after my injury i tie that 100 percent to him putting the gun in his mouth in that movie you know that was my freedom point so fight club gotta be it it's my favorite book also i got I got Tyler and uh, the narrator tattooed on my side. I'm getting Marla finished on my ribs after this. So That's awesome, man. That's, that's a great See, thing. See, not I all your like... tattoos are negative, okay? <laughs> no, that's, these, these are more recent. It's not all dark, man. It's not all bad. <laughs> you know, I'm, listening. I'm not listening. I've deleted all that negative shit, man. <laughs> Use the motherfucker in the goddamn bathroom. Take it. That's going to be the name of it. This, that's going to be the episode of this podcast. You were the guy in the bathroom. Brandon, thanks for that because a lot some people that do it uh, say their favorite movie. They don't actually give the real reason. Yeah. Like, they, yeah. I like it, but that, that was, was really, had, uh, that was deep, explain. man. I really cool. like I like that. Um, if you have one meal to eat for the rest of your life, the same meal every single day, every single time, what would it be? I'm eating it right now. You look at my Instagram, you're going to see it over and over. It's uh, a piece of, I'll say a rib, ribeye is my favorite. I like to do red cabbage, pineapple, and jalapeno sautéed in Kerrygold butter, and I like to have fresh fruit with that. Oh. And uh, beyond that, if I have a really hard session, I'll add white rice. So it's kind of a Caribbean meets all my favorite flavors, kind of kind of heat, kind of uh, – but I love color on the plate. I love color in my life. I just love being vibrant. And, and eating that food, as silly as it sounds, I mean, obviously, from the antioxidants and the mineral level, it's all good for you. But when you eat that kind of food, it almost feels like, okay, I have to be a reflection of what I eat. You are what you eat, right? So this is nutritious, good, colorful. If somebody said, man, that dude is infectious, he's colorful, he's loved, then I'm not going to be mad about that. I don't know if they call me nutritious, but maybe infectious. <laughs> <laughs> if you had, you had one. 
one time frame you have a time machine, Brandon, to go back to, what time frame in the history of time would you go back to? Why? Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. Uh, 221B Baker Street. So I probably head back right around Sherlock Holmes, Jack the Ripper, England. I love that okay. time place. I love Whitechapel. I love London. Uh, so that'd be it. That probably that probably that time frame. And now since you're more you're into a lot more conditioning and stuff, one workout you had to do for the rest of your life, one gym workout, like if it's one compound movement or or just one, literally one one set of anything for the rest of your workout, and then. To finish that with what kind of uh, conditioning circuit would you do? All right. So one exercise that I would implement forever, I think, is pull-ups. Um, I think that's my go-to. That's my bread and butter. It's one that I have pushed to get better at, but I also still suck at it permanently. Like, it just – it never feels like it's getting any easier. But I, I love them, and they're challenging. Um, a circuit for me that I really, really love, I love tire flips followed up by hammer swings followed up by a sled drag. Like, those three – because you can wear the sled the whole time, and you can flip that tire wearing the sled, and you can yep. beat the tire wearing that hammer, and then you can just take off walking. So that kind of came to me when I started working with some athletes, some linemen. When I was at a major university, a D1 university, um, I was given some red shirts and some guys that weren't really necessarily expected to play. So I started doing some sports-specific training with them. Instead of having large 300-pound men run 100-yard sprints, I would have them get in their, or have them flip the tire, hit it with a hammer, and then get in their three-point stance, three-yard drop, five-yard right, 15-yard sprint. How many plays are you in this game? 40 plays a game. We're going to do this 45 times because this is how you work in a game. You're going to have these aggressive explosions. You're going to have the dropbacks. You're going to have the side splits, and then you're going to have the sprint 15 yards. They can get behind that. They don't understand why a coach is making them run 100 yards. So when I started getting those guys into the belief system, I started doing it with them. And that's become one of my favorite ways to, to condition myself is tire flips because that tire never gets lighter. The hammer swings because if you need a break, you can slow down. But if you want to work, you can go hard. And then the sled, that's total leg burn. So if you gave me pull-ups, tire flips, hammer swings, and sleds, I can I can be happy forever. I'll be fit forever anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam, choir, choir session, uh, church practice is officially over. Uh, this is uh, something that I'm going to uh, definitely uh, yeah, use for a while, man. Right and today was a great day. So, Brandon and Sin, I just want to thank you guys so much for uh, hopping on and being so uh, courageous. Hey, Sin, I really it's over. Know. It's over. <laughs> that talk is over. But let's, seriously, thank you, dude. And it, it, it is something that I need to be conscious of because it's very, very careful for me to realize that this is part of the truth. It's part of my story, but I don't want that narrative to creep in. Like you said, that I'm bad. I was a good dude making bad choices, not a bad dude making bad choices. I, I, I would disagree. I know we're right. gonna wrap this up, so I don't want to. I don't want to get retarded, retarded with it. But if you didn't go down there, you wouldn't be here. Like exactly, it's, amen. It's amen. part of it. You just gotta salute it, like, eh. and you've already changed that narrative. Like I was a bad yeah. guy. Like it's much easier for us to make an impact when we're the cause the bad guy that makes good. Than yeah. we're the good guy that Is that the shirt we make, assholes, assholes to angels? <laughs> I like that.
<laughs> I like that. We, uh, we what if we what, what if we made a shirt that said recovering asshole? I know I'm ruining the podcast saying things over no, no, no. again, but I tell you, man, I've never seen any darkness in you ever, dude. And I appreciate that. You came out of it, but I am not listening to no negative shit about your tattoos, about your <laughs> girlfriend, about you lifting too much or your knees and how you didn't listen. I, I don't want to hear none of that shit because it doesn't register, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I like I like that quote, Brendan, and we'll have the Minotaur on the shirt with the Afro on it. Oh yeah. On that note, uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, my name is Frank. You can find you can find me at rep underscore four underscore responders. Jay, where can they find you at, man? I am the real jumpman, Jay. And Brandon, where can they find you at, man? Brandon Lily L I L L Y and the number three. Brandon Lily three or peace, love, and me. That's kind of where I'm sharing some free workouts for people. Peace, love, and me. But you see, as the big man said. Uh, Mr. You know, Mr. Johnson or Alfred Look for Brandon, man. I want to. <laughs> I love this story, man. Fuck you, man. I, man. <laughs> that story is incredible, man. Let's, let's get it. Let's let everyone get a good thumbs up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. Perfect. Hey, man, guys. Be great. In the words of Brian Thor, be great. Have a healthy day. Have a healthy day. I'll tell you this, it's a hard time to have a bad time. Have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys.